Today we are going to depart for this week, maybe next week, but at least this week for sure. From our study in Joshua, we are going to get back to it. But we're going to talk about missions and the importance of missions and preparation for our world mission offering next week. I, I've talked about it that our Free Will Baptist International Mission uh, was about $600,000 behind what their giving normally is this time of the year. big part of that is because of the coronavirus and the world mission offering typically being earlier in March, and it wasn't this year. But also giving is just down across the board for missions agencies. It's not just Free Will Baptist. The International Mission Board for Southern Baptist is their giving is down, Pentecostal. I mean, you just look. Giving as a whole for world missions has gone down in, in recent years. It has taken a, a hit as something that is less than important. More and more churches have ceased to be a part of any sort of cooperative effort to get the gospel to every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And, and we do not want to do that. We do not want to back away in our giving of any sort. We want to do what we can to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And, and missions matter because people matter. Now, people matter, and we want to know that. However, we want to understand that people really aren't the ultimate. Missions isn't the ultimate, even in missions. Right? John Piper says that missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. That missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate and not man. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples and the greatness of God. And I like his statement on that. I believe he's exactly right, because our goal in sending missionaries is to produce worshipers. Right? It's not merely to lead people to make a profession of faith in Jesus and then leave them alone. It is to lead them to first make a profession of faith in Jesus and then for them to move on until they are worshipers devoted to the greatness and the goodness of Almighty God. Right? Our missionaries go to the ends of the earth so they can help people come to know Jesus so they will worship Jesus. Now, I think it would also be accurate to say worship is the basis for missions. Right? Our worship of God leads us in one way or another to be a part of missionary endeavors. Now this is true whether we're talking about like Stephen Laurie Torreson trying to reach the people in Uruguay. Or whether we're talking about us trying to get the gospel to Guymon, to Hooker, Texoma, and Goodwill. Right? Without us being passionate worshipers of God, we really have nothing to tell the nations. We have nothing to tell the people. We go and we tell and we do because we are consumed with a passion and a love for the Lord. We worship God and we know how good and great and marvelous He is. And we want others to know that as well. Without being passionate worshipers of God, we have no zeal to tell the nations about the goodness and the greatness of our God. If we have no passion in our pursuit and our worship of God, why would anyone be interested in what we have to say? If all we're doing is selling them a bill of goods, religious goods, they don't care. They have enough going on in their life. There's enough people trying to sell junk right now. We're not religious salesmen. We're not trying to get them to become religious consumers to buy our Jesus. 
We are passionate about Jesus and we know He is good and we want them to know Him. So they will be passionate about Him as well. Worship is the ultimate goal of missions. Worship is the basis for missions. We will be lousy missionaries here or abroad if we are not passionate worshipers. One of the reasons for this is because worship is a huge part of what we will do in heaven. Right? When we make it, and this life is over, when Jesus comes back or He calls us home, a huge part of what we are going to do is gather around the throne and worship our great God. And knowing how good He is, knowing how wonderful He is, here and now launches us into going and trying to reach every kindred and tongue and people and nation now. We want in every part of the world people to have been reached by the gospel and have been transformed to passionate worshipers of Jesus. I want to show you because in in heaven there is a, a passage, Revelation 5 verses 9 and 10 is what we're going to look at today. And it gives us a picture of heaven and the results of missionary efforts around the world. So Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10 should be page 952 if you have a pew Bible. Uh, if it's not that, if you go to the concordance and turn left a little bit, it'll be there. Uh, go ahead and when you find it, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. I'll read verses 9 and 10, but we're primarily going to be in verse 9. And they sang a new song, worshiping. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome, worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Father, this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, renew, renew our heart for You. Let our zeal for You be strong. Help us, O oh God, to be passionate worshipers of You. And Lord, if we are passionate worshipers of You, we cannot help but be passionate missionaries for You in our community and, and desire to see peoples all over the world come to know Christ as their Savior and, and also begin to worship Him. Father, as we look at this passage in the the truths we're going to talk about today, drive them deep into our hearts. Drive them deep into our souls. Let them stir something within us, maybe that's never been there before. Stir something within us, Father, that, that would change us and, and reawaken something that's already there. But God, give us a passion for Your glory among the nations. Give us a passion for Your glory among Guyman and Hooker and Texoma and Goodwill. Give us a passion for Your glory in, in our homes and in, in all the world, oh God. Father, fill me this morning with the Holy Spirit and give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me to speak your words and your ways for your glory. Lord, we want you to be lifted up. We want you to be exalted. We want your will, not ours. Use this time to transform us. Launch us out into our community. Let us reach Guyman for Christ, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now we, there's a lot in this passage we're not going to have time to look at today. But just kind of a, an idea of what's going on. This passage finds us in heaven, in the presence of the Father, in the presence of Jesus Christ. 
Revelation 4 and 5 show us heaven's courtroom. God is preparing to bring judgment upon the world. He is getting ready to open the scroll, break the seals, and execute a measure of His judgment on the world. But before He does, there is a pause for praise in glory. The worship service is what we're looking at today. In, in these verses, Jesus has been demonstrated to be the Lamb who was slain, the one who is worthy to open the scrolls. And in light of that, heaven is unable to contain itself, and all the residents of heaven burst forth in rejoicing and praise to God and to the Lamb. While we don't have time to, like said, to deep dive into it, there are relating to missions, every kindred tribe, every kindred tongue, people and nation, there are two aspects of this worship service, two truths from this worship service we need to see, and then two responses we need to make based upon those truths. The first is, Jesus died for people. Jesus died for people. So, as they break out into song, notice what they say. Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals, for thou wast slain. Right? Thou wast slain. We talk about Jesus being slain. We always have to understand what this means. We always have to understand the purpose of Jesus' horrific death on the cross. I, I've often said I, I dislike what I call the poor, pitiful Jesus narrative. Right? And the poor, pitiful Jesus narrative is Jesus came to earth and Jesus did miracles and Jesus taught good things and Jesus helped people and Jesus did good for people. But the religious leaders, those mean old religious leaders, they, they rejected Him and they conspired against Him and they had Him executed. Poor Jesus. When that's not the Gospel message. That, that's not the point. Jesus didn't die as poor Jesus. Jesus didn't die as a martyr for the cause. Jesus died as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was born for the express purpose of dying. When Joseph was told Mary was pregnant by the angel, they were told to name him Jesus, for he would save his people from his sin, their sin. Jesus came and he died on purpose. That was the whole point. His everything about his life was leading to his Death. And his death was for a specific cause. It wasn't as a martyr. It wasn't because he made the wrong people angry. It was because of sin. Jesus died because of your sin and because of my sin. Scripture teaches the wages of sin is death. And every sin makes every person who commits that sin worthy, deserving of death. Every single sin. That is the earned wage of sin. But the punishment for sinning against an infinitely holy and infinitely powerful God is not merely physical death or spiritual death. It is eternal death. The Bible talks about people being cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. This is the second death is what it calls it. 
The, the horrors of hell as we find it described in Scripture give us a picture of the terrible wrath of God against sin. And it is this wrath Jesus took in our place. So everything that happened to Jesus, it wasn't just He was abused by the Romans and rejected by the people and nailed to the cross and mocked. No, that was a part of it. But that wasn't even the worst part of it. As He hung on the cross, all the sin. All the punishment for your sin and mine was poured out upon Him. And He drank all of the wrath of God against all of our sin. He took hell in our place. His death shows the terrible wrath of God against each and every sin committed. But He didn't stay dead. And He took the punishment until He died But then on the third day, He rose from the dead. His resurrection declares in a powerful way, He is the Son of God who died for the sins of the world and now offers redemption and righteousness for all who believe on Him. Now that's why Jesus died. He died for people. But what people? What people? He he died for me. He died for you. But what beyond that? What beyond Guyana? What beyond Oklahoma? What beyond America? Did Jesus die? Well, look at what it says in verse 9. He was slain, and it was for every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So, as free will Baptists, we have missionaries in these places. We have missionaries in Brazil, in Bulgaria, in the Ivory Coast. In France, India, Japan, Panama, Kenya, Spain, Uruguay. Then we have other people that go in in creative access ways to places that are somewhat restrictive. And they go in into other places and do other things. They, they do humanitarian aid for the sake of missions, for the sake of getting the gospel to people. And yet, the vast majority of the people in these countries where free will Baptists and missionaries have never heard the gospel message about a Savior who came and died for their sins. Free will Baptist international missionaries intentionally go to hard places. Free will Baptist international missionaries intentionally go to places where there are 2% or less evangelical Christian witness. So we don't send missionaries to, say, England, where there's a large portion of the churches there. Instead, they go to hard places where people don't know and don't believe and have never heard. This means in every one of those countries, there are millions of people with very limited access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means very, very few of them have ever even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means many of them will live and they will die and they will never meet a genuine Christian who believes in Jesus, who could set them down and tell them how they can be saved from the wrath to come. Now, why does it matter so much there is no witness there for them? Well, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a great promise. Everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. But notice what Paul goes on to say. How? How will they call upon the Lord if they've never believed upon Him? And how will they believe upon Him if they've never heard of Him? And how will they hear about Him unless someone goes to them? And these questions are all the equivalent of saying, no one will. Right? No one will call upon Jesus 
unless they believe upon Jesus. And no one will believe on Jesus unless they hear about Jesus. And no one will hear about Jesus unless someone tells them about Jesus. In order for someone to tell them about Jesus, someone has to go. Because the people there aren't Christians. It's not like here. It's not like in Diamond. Where there are 11 English-speaking evangelical churches that are all preaching the gospel today. Where there are probably 11 or more Hispanic churches that are all preaching the gospel today. There are no churches. There are no Christians. Where Sarah and I went to Bulgaria, there was one church in a town of 15,000. The church we helped. That's the only church in the whole town. There are like six or seven churches in the whole country. Those people will live and die and never hear. They're not just staying home because they wanted to sleep in and have pancakes today. There is not a church for them to go to. There is no opportunity for them to come and hear and worship. They do not know the one true God. They've never heard about His Son. And so, they'll never call upon Him. And they will never be saved. And they will die and they will go into a Christless eternity. Salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus alone because only Jesus has dealt with sin and the penalty our sin deserves through His death and through His resurrection. And people must hear that message. Jesus died not just for us, not just for Guyman, not just for Oklahoma, not just for America. But even with that, and this isn't on my notes, so it doesn't count against me. You can see the small spots where we have free will Baptists. You know how many other missionaries are in some of those other places? Almost none. Look at all of those spots where there is no Christian witness. Look at all of those spots where people don't have the opportunity we take lightly. They don't have a Bible in their language they can ignore. They don't know the God of heaven to pray. They're just blissfully going through life, eating and drinking, and tomorrow they die. Jesus died for them. They'll never know. Someone doesn't go and tell them. Jesus not only died for people. Jesus is redeeming people. His death accomplished something. That was slain. Has redeemed us to God. By thy blood. Of every kindred and tongue and people. And nation. It accomplished redemption for people from all over the world, from all of those places. God's longing is for on this day, there would be people from all of these countries. 
they would be there praising God, declaring His glory, declaring His greatness. Now, this work is already happening. Jesus is redeeming people in those places. There, there is a church in Bulgaria that's fished off. There is a church in Montevideo, and I'm saying that wrong, in Uruguay. There, there, is, there are people in Ecuador. There is a church in Japan. There are Christians in the Ivory Coast. Jesus is reaching people, but there are still more people. Some of these people have no, no clue. I listened to a story of a guy who went to one of the hard-to-reach places and he, he couldn't even talk about the, the country he went to because it was illegal for him to be there doing what he was doing. He and his wife led a young lady to Christ and discipled her and she was going to share the gospel with her family. And to share the gospel with her family, she called them together and she sang a praise song she had written to God. And it was the first time God had ever been praised in that particular language. There had never been praise to God in that language before that day. Those people were so lost and so separated. God is saving people in those places. He is working in those places. He is reaching people. He is redeeming people. When we, when we gather on this day, it won't just be us. It will be people from Bulgaria and Spain and Kenya and Uruguay and Panama and India and Japan and Brazil and France. But we have a part to play in this. That there are two parts that have to be played. One, there are the missionaries that have to go. Those people who are on the sides, they, they have to go and they have to tell. But we have a part to play from here. And, and our part, it is one of two things. Our part is to go and join them. Or our part is to give so they can go. That we... We don't have a legitimate third option other than just be disobedient to God. Now our church has always supported missions. And that's kind of a, a neat thing because what we give and what we have given, it helps to redeem people. It helps to reach people. But we have to give. I mean, we. It is necessary for us to give because, with us, just take the deficit of six hundred thousand. Obviously, we we can't reach all of that on our own, and, and that's not the point. But what happens if that deficit continues? You know what happens? Missionaries come home. They come home. They come back to America. And then they have to drive all over the country trying to raise enough money to offset the deficit in their account. And then they have to raise enough money to send them over there. And, and while they're here, there's no gospel witness. While they're here, lost people die and, and go to hell. And that should bother us. It should bother us. Because we have the ability to help. 
we have the ability to give, to keep some on the field, to help others to stay there. To Some of the ones on this list are not gone yet because they can't. They, they can't go to churches because they're closed down because of the virus. They can't because people aren't giving to support the work anymore. They, they, they're struggling to find the money to get over there. And God is wanting to redeem people in those places and we we must do what we can to, to help. Now, of course, we have to understand God is not just redeeming people in faraway places. God is redeeming people in Gaiman and Goodwill and Hooker and Texoma. Jesus died to save the Gaimanites and He died to save the people in Hooker. And, and we want to minister here and reach people here. We we want to minister and serve and missionary in such a way that when we get to heaven, we will intermingle with people from all of these countries, from all over the world. And they will gather with us and they will worship Jesus because of the faithfulness of our church. Our faithfulness to share the gospel. Our faithfulness to listen to Jesus call us. And our faithfulness to give and help others to go. I think part of what I want us to understand is what we do what we do matters. Our Free Will Baptist International missionaries serve in a variety of locations, ranging from the big cities like Tokyo to small villages like Svishtof. And then dusty spots on the ground where people will gather like they meet in Kenya. But no matter where they are, what they do, they do in those locations, it matters for eternity. I mean, there are people whose eternal destinies, their whole families forever are changed because they went, because somebody gave. We serve in a small church, in a small state, a small town. What we do here matters. It matters for eternity. Never forget that. Never think we're just checking a box when we come in here. Never think it's a waste of effort to share the gospel or invite someone to church. Never think you've wasted money when you've given to the church or you've given to missions. Never forget the mission of Jesus is to seek and to save those who are lost. Never forget that Jesus' plan is to reach people through people. Never forget the power of Jesus to save all who believe. Never forget the purpose of Jesus is to empower His church so the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Never forget most of us will never go overseas. We will never go to Uruguay or Tokyo or Brazil or Kenya. But when we give, like the World Missions Offering, we're a part of that. We're a part in changing people for eternity. We're a part of something that's bigger than us, that's bigger Somebody asked me once if I was all political because I talk about politics a lot in a negative way, but 
Man, this is bigger than the election in November. This is bigger than whether you wear a mask or not. This is bigger. It matters more. In a hundred years, nobody's going to care who was president in 2020. In a hundred years, nobody's going to care if we wore a mask at Walmart or not. In a hundred years, those that we've reached will still be praising Jesus around the throne and we'll be there with them. This is so much bigger and so much more important than what our culture is trying to get us to focus on. It is eternally, eternally significant. Never forget, Jesus is redeeming a people and that is powerfully significant. And those two truths, Jesus died for people and Jesus is redeeming people, they demand two responses from us. First, we must embrace the message of Jesus. On a personal level, we must ensure we have responded to the message ourselves. And the message of Jesus requires two particular responses. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change of mind about God and sin that results in a change of life. And the change of life is critical. I don't have time for that. Genuine repentance is preceded by sorrow for sin committed. It's not sorry we got caught. It's not sorry there's going to be bad consequences. It's not sorry we're embarrassed by what we've done. It's sorry we have sinned against a good God who has done so much for us. Godly sorrow for the sin committed is what leads us to the change of life. I don't want to sin against my God anymore. I love Him too much. He has loved me too well. And I will live differently. And then faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith. Two sides of the same coin. You can't remove one without destroying both. If we repent, it's because we believe. If we believe, we will repent. But faith isn't meant in a general way. It's not just believing there's a God out there somewhere. It's not believing even that Jesus was real. Saving faith is very specific and narrow. It is belief in the person and the work of Christ on our behalf. We must believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Again, it's not enough to believe Jesus died on the cross for sin. It has to be personal for my sin. We must believe Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. The resurrection is called the hinge on which Christianity swings. If Christ is not risen, we are still in our sins, Paul would say. And we must believe Jesus' death and resurrection is the only hope for salvation we have. We have to understand and believe we have not earned it. We have not added to it. Our good works did nothing to make us saved. We have to understand that when we stand before the Lord in heaven, we will give all praise and all glory to the Lamb who was slain and has redeemed us to God. He did it. He was slain. He redeemed us. I didn't add anything to my salvation. I didn't do anything to earn my salvation. Responding to the message of Jesus means I must let go of my own self-righteousness. I must let go of my own sense of self-sufficiency. I didn't do it. I didn't pull myself up by my bootstraps. And it wasn't even me and God did it. It was Jesus because of what He has done. If the message of Jesus is true that He was slain, 
for our sin, the only rational response is to repent of our sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we must embrace the mission of Jesus. If this message is true, if Jesus was slain and is redeeming people to God out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, that's the only hope they have. And I must give my life to ensure others are given a chance to hear about Jesus, believe in Jesus, and be saved by Jesus. On a personal level, as far as like in Guyman and Hooker and Goodwill and Texoma, what kind of horrible person would I be if I knew the message of salvation and refused to tell it to someone? If I knew someone was drinking poison and I did nothing to stop them, would I be a good person? If I knew someone was dying and I had the cure, would I be a good person for doing nothing and letting them die? No. And I'm no more good to see people headed on their way to hell and do nothing about it because it makes me uncomfortable because I'm afraid they'll get mad. And at the same time, kind of horrible people what kind of horrible person would I be if I spent my life and my money so I could have bigger and better and newer and faster and cooler and prettier and did nothing to help get the gospel to the ends of the earth I was so concerned that I had the newest and the latest and the greatest and the best that I let those who are desperate Die without Christ and enter into hell. We mustn't do that. We must do what we can to share the message of Jesus with the world. The world around us and the world at large. One of my favorite psalms says we're to declare His glory among the heathen. The other translations, that's King James, the other translations say the nations. His wonder among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for the gods of the nations are idols. The Lord made the heavens. We are to do what we can to declare God's glory among the nations. That's what worshipers do. We declare the glory of our God. When we embrace the mission of Jesus, we do all we can to ensure all the nations get a chance to hear the message because we know our God is great. Our God is greatly to be praised. And He alone deserves worship. There are no other gods in the world who deserve our or anyone else's worship. God alone deserves worship. Yahweh alone deserves worship. Jesus alone deserves worship.
and whether gods deserve it because they're idols. The word for idol in Hebrew, it carries with it the idea of being weak and worthless because it's nothing. That's a great picture of all the other gods, of all the other nations, the peoples around us. They are weak. They are worthless. They are nothing. The God of Islam is nothing. The God of Mormonism is nothing. The God of Jehovah's Witnesses is nothing. The God of Scientology is nothing. The God of New Age Spiritism is nothing. The God of Buddhism is nothing. The God of Animism is nothing. The God of Hinduism is nothing. They do not deserve praise or devotion or worship from any person anywhere. We embrace the message of Jesus and the mission of Jesus because we know our God alone is worthy of their praise. We declare the good news of God's salvation among the nations here and abroad because we know our God is worthy of their praise. We want all nations and all peoples to experience God's salvation so they can give Him the glory, the praise He deserves. There are people all around Guyana, Hooker, Texoma, Goodwell, who do not worship the one true God the Lord of heaven. He deserves to be worshipped and glorified by them. And so we must proclaim His glory among them. But there are also people in Brazil and Bulgaria and the Ivory Coast and France and India, Japan, Panama, Kenya, Spain and Uruguay who do not worship and glorify the one true God, the Lord God of heaven. He deserves to be worshipped by them. And we embrace the mission of Jesus by declaring the good news of God's salvation among the nations. So they will be saved and they will give Him the glory He alone deserves. What we see in Revelation 5 and 9 is going to come to pass. There will come a day in which the redeemed of all the ages, every kindred and tongue and people and nation, gather around the throne and they cry out, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who has redeemed us by His blood. In some ways God is doing that and fulfilling that now, preparing for that day. He is working through His people who have embraced the mission of Jesus to declare the gospel in order to make worshipers of every tribe and nation and tongue on the earth. I plead to you this morning, don't miss being a part of what God is doing among the nations, in the world, in our community. Be a part of it. Be a worshiper of God who passionately wish witnesses about Jesus. If you would say you're a worshiper of God at this time, does your worship lead you to witness? Does it lead you to declare His glory among the nations, the heathen around you? Are you declaring His gospel to the people in your life? Are you prepared to give generously 
for the mission's offering so that others can declare His glory among the other nations in which there is so little gospel light. If not, I would urge you to seek the Lord this morning. Cry out to Him. Pray, read the Bible until God burns or starts a holy fire within you, causing you so you would worship Him passionately and witness about Him fervently. If you have never before repented or personally embraced the message, received it, I want to urge you today, and I want you to know that there is a Lamb who was slain on your behalf. And He wants to redeem you to God through His blood. So one day in heaven you can gather with every kindred and tongue and people and nation and give God the praise and the glory He alone deserves. I want to ask you to stand.